Welcome to season two of the Directors Club podcast, exclusively for child care center owners and directors. I'm Noelle Dentino, ex-corporate girl turned child care center owner. I took my corporate skills paired with my sister's early education background to create easy to implement business practices that have made our center, Scribble Time, a huge raging success in our community. And now I'm here to share with you business tips and tools to help you build enrollment, find and hire your next great teacher, and get your center operating just how you want it. Let's do this. Hey there, it's Noelle from the Directors Club, and I'm so happy you joined me this week. I love connecting with child care center directors, and I'm seeing my podcast numbers go way up. So I'm hoping that I'm helping you leading your child care center. This week, I'm really excited because I met Prenna Richards at the Leadership Lounge Conference with Beth Cannon, and we really connected, and I have so much respect and admiration for what she does and um, how she supports child care centers across our amazing country. And so Prenna Richards is an international and national keynote speaker, social entrepreneur, coach, and consultant. She has been in the early education field for the past 36 years. Her professional journey has allowed her to work in so many different roles, including being a preschool teacher and a vice president of an early education division. A majority of her experience was in NACI accredited and trauma-informed learning programs. She's a registered master level trainer in the Texas Early Childhood Professional Development System, and most recently, she started her own consulting business, Together We Grow, providing professional development, coaching, and consulting for educators and individual families. She has a YouTube channel under the same business name. She is currently also working as a Texas Rising Star Assessor. She is deeply passionate about supporting the teachers who are providing care for our young learners. Every child deserves the best start in life that trained and prepared educators can provide. She's the winner of the Susan Hargrave Trainer of the Year Award from the Texas AEYC in October of 2020. When you listen to my talk with her, you're going to fall in love with Prenna and need to follow her Facebook page. Go check her out on togetherwegrow.com. She, I want you to know as we kick off this is I forgot to stop the recording. So we missed the first 20 seconds where I welcomed her um, and we connected. And so we're going to, when you hear this, it's going to jump right into the first question I asked her. So I want you to know that I'm super happy to be sharing this content with you because one of the things as child care center directors that we have on our plates is helping our teachers in the classrooms. And this podcast is going to do just that and your connection with Prenna. So take a listen. And on the other side of this podcast, I'm going to share with you how I get my teachers to be more consistent implementing the practices we learn from specialists like Prenna. I'll talk to you soon. Years and I'm keeping track with how old my daughter is. That's how I'm keeping track of it. I started as a teacher, director, been a program director, overseeing seven schools in Dallas, and then became a vice president of a division with a whole division on early childhood. And then most recently, three and a half years ago, coming up to four, very soon, I started my own business called Together We Grow. And really, 
when I first started in this 37 years ago, it was only because I was blessed with my daughters and I didn't want them to go to a school and have somebody else raise them. My original education in India was in interior design. And I know my husband's an architect. And so the plan was we would work (laughs) together and thank God that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Plan B is always better. Yeah. And so it was very organic in my case. It was very natural. I started spending a lot of time volunteering in my daughter's nursery school in Scotland. And the teachers just sucked me in and they're like, Prena, you're here all the time. Do you want to go get your nursery certification? I'm like, what is that? Sure. Sign me up. And I found my passion. I could not stop learning about child development, brain development. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to go deeper with it. I love that. Do you, I don't know if you know this, but I started, my, I have my degree in speech and language pathology. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. And I graduated and did not like the field because it was so slow. Mm. And I was like, I like, I'm a fast moving girl. So I'm <laughs> like, oh, this is slow. I don't know if I want to get my master's. I went into investment banking for 13 years and absolutely loved it. Huh. And then I got laid off. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I too had, I had a one-year-old and I was like, I want to be with her more. I was trying to think of things. And my dad came up with the idea to open up a childcare center because my sister had just graduated with her early ed degree. Yeah. And so I too fell into the field. So I love that, that we we have that in common because I can't imagine being in any other field now at my age. I I love it. I love it. This is a calling for me. It's not a profession. It's a calling for me. And I am so grateful that I get to live my calling and get to live my personal legend. I feel it in my bones so strongly that I'm here on this earth to help children and to help adults understand children. And it seems like that's a gift that God has given me. And I don't share. That's really what the- well, that gave me chills because my daughter struggles. Mm. Uh, she's 20 now, but she had, she has diagnosed with ADHD, sensory mm-hmm. integration, all the things. She was so impulsive. And at, when she, when I opened my childcare, I was like, she was like a, the nightmare kid. Mm. And I wish that I could do it over with her. Like mm. now that I know, like I'm 18 years into it and I wish I'd met someone like you mm. because your breathing that literally hit home with me. I was like, that would have been such a great thing to have taught her back then. I'm, I'm just teaching her now that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The good news, Noel, even though she is in 18 or close to 20 now, but yes, she is the children. She is the type of child that my heart goes out to that I want to help. And the thing is, it's never too late. The, the yes. good news about the brain is that it's never too late. And they say, 26 is when your brain is fully wired and fully developed. But here's what I've learned about it. I, the more I learn, the more I do, and the better I know, the better, the, the yes. more, the better you do uh, is still applicable even to this day. Like I'm constantly learning things about the brain. So it's never too late for you and your daughter. Yes. Um, uh, there's always hope. Exactly. And I'll tell you that I'll share that her first night working at my childcare center, she came home to dinner and she brought up this one child. And I was like, I started to get, don't talk about his behavior. Cause I know he's, and she goes, so I tried, 
um, doing this with him. And I tried this technique with him and I did all the things that I have been teaching her since she was three and I worked with counselors. And so it's so amazing to come full circle and see a child that struggled and then connects with those kids like you and I do in the classrooms. So, you know, yeah, my daughter, sorry, didn't mean to digress, but my daughter is also in education and she struggled as a learner. And oh. she made a better teacher because she struggled comprehensionally, that there were gaps in her comprehension. And she yes. became a teacher because she wants to help other children who maybe are struggling with reading. I love that. I just, that's what I love about education mm-hmm. is coming across educators that struggled too, and then can mm-hmm. relate more to their students. Yeah. Love that. Why don't you share with our listeners the importance of breathing in the classroom? Oh, I'm so happy you asked me that. That is my favorite topic to talk about. So here's what I want to tell people that I think as most human beings, we are missing this link. And here's the thing. All of us are living in a very fast-paced life right now. I don't know anybody who is living, just cruising, and just just chilling. Most Mm -hmm. of us have our plates full. Most of us have a buffet. We can't even find our plate anymore. Most yes, of, that's a good point. <laughs> most of us have a lot on our tables, on our plates, on our buffets. And we are, by nature, very impatient. By nature, we are becoming really very stressed out. And we are living in a very reactive place. And this is not a judgment. This is just an observation that because life is so fast-paced and because devices are consuming and they're moving at a very fast pace, our human brain was never designed to keep up with this pace. So breathing happens to be one of those absolute gems, secret if you like, a hidden secret that most people are not tapping into. We're all going through life just shallow breathing. And once you understand the concept of deep breathing, you can't stop doing it enough. So here's what happens. And for and I know I shared this in the Leaders Lounge, but I want to share it with your listeners because Good. here's the research behind the breathing. Our brain has millions of neurons and it's all very tight, full of tension in our brain. Think of it like a rubber band. Think of it like the rubber band that you get for packing, the, the big, long rubber band that you can put around parcels and packing. When you buy that rubber band, it's pretty tight. It's pretty taut. It doesn't stretch. When you start playing with it, if you're anything like me, if I get a rubber band in my hand, I'm stretching it, I'm playing with it. It's like, this analogy just came to me because I play with rubber bands all the time. And so when you play with it, it becomes loose and becomes elastic. And then you can stretch it and you can put it around anything because it's really loose and flexible. That's what breathing does to our brain. When we do deep breathing throughout the day, brain goes from reacting to responding. We get more patient. By nature, we become less reactive, meaning we get less triggered, meaning we get less pushed by things that happen. By human nature, we have a really responsive in our judgment, in our opinions, in our words, in our actions. We are fast. We are are fast people. We are fast things, fast paced. So breathing helps to center that. Breathing helps to slow it down. And quite often, this is one of the first things that I do when I start consulting with the program, just put them on a breathing schedule. And anybody listening would say, Prayna, you're so silly. We all breathe. What are you talking (laughs) about? Right? This sounds stupid. But it's not. 
it's when you add it to your schedule that you get at least two deep breaths and every time you breathe you take three deep breaths so really if you have two breathing breaks in the morning before nap and two breathing breaks after nap you are now getting 12 deep breaths because four times three is 12 four deep 12 deep breaths throughout the day and try it for a week i've done this for so many schools now and so many teachers and it never fails because i offer a coaching session every friday when they come back the next friday they'll be telling me i can't believe that i reacted less i can't believe that the children were listening to me more i can't believe i'm like and what did you do and they're like i just started breathing that's all i, I did. love i love that <laughs> i love that that was that big takeaway too. And we're implementing that well as well at my child care center. That's yes. In one of our classrooms, it has worked and they are, I see them doing it like, cause they'll all do it together. And I love watching that. And the classroom definitely has changed. See, I, even yes. you're adding to my research. See how yeah. anecdotal this is. And if you can become a breathing program. So what does that mean? Anybody in the school can just say, let's take a brain break. Let's take a breathing break start having teachers call it out and whoever is available can just join in. So if you're doing center time and you hear this going out, let's do a brain break, then the teacher can put, you know, one foot in the classroom, one foot in the hallway while she keeps an eye on her class and the children breathe with the teachers. Just join in the breathing. We did this in our program in Dallas and within a month, Noel, the behaviors, the intensity and the frequency reduced so much. Then my teachers were like, are these the same kids? Are we the same people? It was powerful. That's so great, especially now with the higher stress in the across yes. the, all the centers. It's so great. And what a good skill for an adult to have, too, that hasn't ever yes. done that. Yes, to go through life and not get triggered with everything and not react with everything and just show up in a calm way is so powerful because we can really live our best life instead of just living from a space of being triggered with everything. <clears throat> That's great. That's great. One of the things also that I loved about your consulting work is that you say that you support classrooms in being happy and challenge free. Can you tell me a success story of what how that goes into action with you? In your classroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually not just a story. It's for real. It can happen to any classroom. I'll give you one specific specific example of a classroom that I was supporting. And the director had invited me in because she couldn't figure out why there were so many challenging behaviors in her preschool classroom. And she's, I have a lovely teacher. She's so kind. She's so caring. She's been with me forever. But I just don't understand why she's having so many behavior issues in her classroom. And so I did an observation and then I started working with her. Okay, I'm gonna describe this teacher and maybe somebody listening can relate to it. So I'll give her a name, this is not her name. So don't go yeah. looking for her. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Jessica. Jessica is a lovely teacher in her twenties. She is caring, she's kind, she's sweet. She has a soft voice. And here's what I noticed in her classroom. She finished her circle time. She was asking tons of questions. Her children were engaged. She only has 12 children. They're three and a half and four, and mostly they're boys. So actually she had 10 um, boys and two girls. There was only two girls in this classroom. And this is what I noticed right after circle time, she released them into center time. And she on her schedule had 45 minutes for center time. And she had 
two people go to every center. They, the children picked their centers. They were there. They were engaged. But then she put a timer on, and I was not expecting that. So during her free play, she put the timer on, and after 10 minutes, the children were asked to clean up and go to a different center, and they had to pick the centers. In the block center, there were the two. One was a girl, uh, Jasmine and Brooke were the two kids in the block area. And they had built this big structure, and they were not ready to clean up and not ready to move. And the teacher, Jessica, said, no, it's time to pick up another center. And they were just like, we don't want to. We don't want to clean up. They yeah. were clearly engaged and they were clearly playing. And so she did this three times. So during her 45 minutes, she changed the timer three times and she got pushback. Sometimes children would be engaged in play and sometimes they couldn't get re-engaged in play. And so she kept walking around. And so her role was walking around and checking on everybody because somebody, she had attended a training that said, talk to the kids, walk around. So she was doing everything that she'd been taught. And so she would walk around and she would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the, some kids would tell her, some kids wouldn't tell her. So that was happening. The other thing I noticed was, that when children were taking toys from one center to another center, for example, uh, this little boy, Brooke, who had left the block area, who wasn't ready to leave the block area, picked up a bucket of cars and took it to the manipulatives. And she said, now, where do the cars belong? And you know, he was like, didn't remember. But then she reminded him the cars belong in the block. So she put it back. All this to say that she was policing and controlling the classroom. Yes, I've seen that. Okay, so that is a recipe for pushback. 100% that's a recipe for pushback. Why? Because we have classroom management strategies to support the teachers. But what this classroom is doing is because she's limiting the number of children in every center. And I'm all for limiting the number of children in the center. But if there's no issues, then let them play. Those yes. are strategies to redirect them if there's a problem. So the children that were building very creatively in the block area who had to put away their structure and they were not ready to put away their structure because they were in the middle of creating their play. And I think at the debrief afterwards, when I finished it, I was talking to her director and she, I said some of these examples to her and she said, oh my God, that is making so much sense. Now I understand why the kids are pushing back. So we went from that to talking with the teacher and, and one of the sentences I heard her say was, I have to check on all the children. And I said, how about if you reframe that? Instead of going to the children and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know about you, Noel. But if I am doing something and somebody keeps asking me, what am I doing? What am I doing? I might slap somebody. Like, exactly. Annoying. Get out of my face. I'm doing yeah. something. Get out of my face. Instead. And she said, well, what could I ask them? I said, okay, good. I'm glad you're asking. Instead of saying, what are you doing? Slow down, sit down with them, make eye contact and say, that looks interesting. Tell me more. Now I'm opening up the conversation without walking around like a policeman and just, I don't need to walk around like a policeman. Police is not what I joined. Early childhood is what I joined. Yes. Right? I don't need to police my room. Go from controlling to connecting. The more we connect, the less we correct. People forget this. The more we connect, the less we correct. And so use the center time to connect with the children. Join the play. Unless you really need to get up and navigate or redirect because there's a problem, let 
the children play. And so this was one of the things that we did in our coaching classroom, like coaching session back with her. And it took some work for her to change her habit, but I was coaching her through it. And after a month, just a month with me going once a week in her classroom and navigating slightly tweaking it. Okay, I see that you're making an effort, keep going. The classroom went from pushbacks to a happy, joyful, engaged learning space. That's awesome. I love that story. It's so simple. Some of it is self-created. Some of it is coming from the teacher's need to control because teachers feel like I am being a good teacher when I am controlling. You're not. You should think of yourself as a stage director. Your job is to put the props on the stage when the actors, which are your children, when they come on the stage director is not on the stage. You've created the environment let them explore, let them experience. They will take it on. I love that example. I even take a step back from this whole thing and see what kind of wording I can use as a director Mm. when I'm onboarding my staff or at my staff meetings when we're talking about, because at my staff meetings, we'll talk about where we're struggling in each of the rooms and and we brainstorm, Mm. but sit and think of the wording. Because I always say, instead of policing, I'm like, oh, you're not in there supervising, you're teaching. And But I like that policing because that kind of is more what they're doing. That's such a great story. I love sharing that. You You mentioned words for your teachers. If you are hearing any teachers saying my classroom, Change it to our classroom. Okay. When children feel like they belong, when children feel connected, so going from mine to ours, words are powerful. This is our classroom. How do we take care of our things? Quite often I'll hear teachers, put my things back. Don't touch my things. This is my classroom. It is not. If you're going to have the mentality is my classroom, then go be your own classroom because nobody is collaborating in your classroom. (laughs) That's such a great point and so true. I love that. So tell me, what should a director do if a challenging behavior just continues in a certain classroom and they feel they have used all the tools that they have in their belt and the teachers are still stressed out? Okay, good point. So this is not unique. This is happening many places. They're lovely directors who have a lovely team and they want to support them. I would start with the basics. Do your teachers know about brain development? Do your teachers understand brain states? Do your teachers understand what behaviors are associated with the brain states? If not, then get a professional development for them so that they can get a better understanding. When you do better, when you better, right? It's connected. Right. And many of us, and guess what? Uh, We started this conversation earlier with our daughters. My daughters are in their 30s. I did not know any of this when they were little. I wish I did. Same here. Yeah. But here's the really amazing news. As many times as I talk about the brain, there are so many people who are still sitting in the space of, I had no idea. I had no idea. So that's the first place. The teachers are getting stressed out because they're not understanding their own brain and the child's brain in front of them. So that's the first strategy. Support your teachers by giving them the knowledge and then support them through coaching so that they can apply that knowledge into the classroom. The second is environment plays a big role. And I'll give you some very specific examples of things that I've done in the classrooms that I've supported. The circle time carpet quite often has... Either it has some shape or it has some circles and children are supposed to sit on those shapes and on those circles, right? 
we've all yeah. seen the circle time carpet or teachers are having assigned seating at the carpet with with the masking tape names on them where children are supposed to sit or there's a cushion or some assigned seating have you seen that yes i have seen it okay. a lot <laughs> yeah so the reason i bring that up is because one of the programs that i was working with part of that controlled environment and controlled teacher environment is having assigned teach seating at the tables at the carpet. This was one of the first changes that we did along with everything else that we were doing is changed out the carpet to just a plain carpet. There was nothing assigned on it. It was just a plain blue carpet. And guess what happened? When the children came to the circle time, normally the, the language, the reason I did this was because of the behavior I saw in the classroom. Yes. Uh, and the behavior is a form of communication. Don't forget that. Behavior is telling us what the children are struggling with. And so the children were like, you're sitting in my space. This was happening. And that was the reason I said to the teacher, I said, let's go around your school and see if we can find just a plain carpet to swap it out for this week. I just, this is an experiment. Let's just try it. We swapped, swapped out the circle carpet for a blue carpet that was in her gross motor area. And guess what happened? The children came to school on Monday and there was nobody said, you're in my space because there was no dis assigned space. They came in, they're like, oh, we have a new carpet. And the <laughs> like, yeah, we have a new carpet. And they're like, where are we going to sit? And she said, wherever you want. I just want to see a circle. And they did. And guess what? There was no fighting on the circle because there was no assigned seating. I love that. <laughs> there was a choice. Yes. Yes. But some of it we are creating in our environments and we are creating it like we are herding cattle. Like the children are not cattle and we cannot have them so confined and so forced. So this was one example in an environment. The other example in an environment was, I'll give you two more. Okay. So these are all strategies that I put in the classrooms. One was the block area. So the block area was becoming a big issue. And again, I go back to behavior as a form of communication. I will only suggest the strategy that's needed because that's the trouble that's happening in that classroom. I wouldn't just suggest everything. It's not like a buffet that I have to do everything. It's not a la carte. It's what do you need to fix in your classroom? And so the block area was becoming an issue. It was becoming aggressive play. It was not appropriate play. They were throwing blocks. It was becoming quite rough and quite loud. So here's the change that we did. While I was talking to the teacher, I was like, can you think of a way how we could rearrange your block area? And she said, what do you mean? I said, what I'm noticing is that it's not being used properly. What do you think we can do? Because in my coaching, I'm like really wanting the teacher to take the leadership role. It's not me coming to fix it. I love that. Yeah, I, my role is not to do it for you. This is your environment, what works for you. So I just want you to think outside the box. That's all I'm doing in my coaching. Think outside your box. So here's what she and her assistant came up with. They decided that they would rearrange their classroom and create the block area next to the dramatic area. And the way they would create it is they would just have one dividing shelf in between the blocks yeah. and the dramatic. And they would put another shelf in front of it. So it became like a a boxed in area, but there was a flow between the two, like there was a gap between the dramatic and the block. And another bookshelf so enclosed it. Without enclosing it, she created the space. And guess what happened? Suddenly the block play went into creative, imaginative space. The same kids, if I, I wish I could show you a picture of that because I took pictures of this. 
I wish I could share that with you. Within a week, and this was the other thing that was getting the pushback. Every time she would tell the kids, it's clean up, it's clean up. They had worked very hard on a structure and they didn't want to put it away. And so I said to her, can you think of a time or can you think of a way that you could allow the structure to stay? Does it have to be put away? Is that the written law that they have created this and it has to be taken down? And she said, we always clean up our toys before we go. And I said, okay, I understand that, but I just want you to reflect on this. Is it bothering anything or anybody? Or can you allow it to live there for the day? And she said, well, maybe I could for the day. She took it further and she allowed the structure to stay for the week. Again, it's the same controlling classroom as Jessica's room is where I was working. We remember when I started the stories, there was only two children allowed in a center and they were shifting every 30 minutes, 10 minutes with this timer going on. Well, by the end of the week, she allowed them to free flow and free play. And guess what happened? The block area and the dramatic area, all 10, 12 of them congregated, but nobody was fighting. There was no issues. And they created such amazing structures and they added to it every day. And they came running into the classroom with joy and excitement. I, I have an idea. We're going to make a bridge. Who's going to paint this? And there was like this excitement happening. It went math and technology and science and everything was happening in the block and dramatic. And she had the most calm classroom. And she was excited about what I have to share in the picture with you. I don't know where you can share it in your podcast, but the picture is so powerful that the children were excited with their creation they were looking forward to coming to school and it didn't bother anybody it was a independent classroom it didn't bother anybody else there was no other classroom affected she just changed what she could in her classroom allowing them the space to explore there's so many times that i have been coaching a teacher or when my directors have been coaching a teacher and we come out of the meeting and we're all have this aha moment of you're so, you get so like regime onto the daily schedule, like gotta run through the schedule. Everything has to be perfect. Put away, get out, line up. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're more flexible, we tend, the classroom flow ends up being better. And yep. so that is such a great story to share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really, you really can have joyful, happy environments. Uh, you really can. Yes. It's, it's, it's real. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So this is all so amazing, all this information. So tell me, as your time owning Together We Grow, like what's your favorite success story? I think my biggest success is when I see the teachers having the aha and when I start seeing the directors engaging and supporting their teachers in a different way. That is what brings me the most joy because these are people who are committed in this field. The director, the owner, the teacher, they're invested in this field. And if I could just support them, you were asking earlier, how can you as an owner and director support your teachers? One of the things that you can do in the moment, if there's behaviors happening in the classroom, right? Yes. It's really important that the children bond with the teacher. It's really important that the redirection comes from the teacher and not from the director, because otherwise then you're taking the power away from the teacher because yes. she's struggling and she needs to bridge that gap and she needs to get there. But what can you do as an owner and director or whatever your title as an administrator might be? If you're hearing chaos and confusion and loud noises happening in a classroom, you could step in 
and you could allow that teacher to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with the child who's dysregulated and needs the most attention or who's most aggressive while you support the other teacher and the rest of the classroom. But this only works if you have a plan with the teacher ahead of time. So I'll give you an example. When I was a program director in Dallas, I was serving in a program that was very high risk and trauma informed schooling. That's really what the school was famous for. It was trauma informed. And um, my role would be, but we would have a plan with the teacher always ahead of time. So I would know that, okay, when this becomes like this, if she is in a circle area, if she's in a small group area, like if she's engaged with the children, then I would take the child out who's dysregulated for a walk around the building. We would go breathe. We could go touch the trees. We would go get some fresh air. And I would bring the child back after the child was regulated. And then I would hand the child over to the teacher and I would step in where she was doing what she was doing. But if she was not in the circle area or not doing small group, then she would go with the child and I would step in her place. Yes. So not to disrupt the flow. That's how you can support. The other thing your role can do is, I did this a lot in this school over there, is go with a notepad or go with pieces of paper that are blank. And when a child is very upset, the leader can just spend some time okay i'm listening tell me everything that's going on tell me what's bothering you and start documenting whatever the child is saying having an adult sit down and write what they're saying is so powerful for giving their voice validation and a lot of the stress for the children comes is nobody's listening nobody's seeing me and nobody understands me but when an adult can document, okay, tell me what you're saying. Okay, what happened? Okay, this happened. Just whatever happened. It is absolutely game-changing and it reduces the stress in the classroom and in the child's brain because it's suddenly been validated. Suddenly they're like, okay, this happened. Okay, yeah, you're upset. Okay, that was really hurtful. Oh, really wanted to take your toy. Okay, tell me how that made you feel. Just that activity would slow things down. The other thing... That. Yeah, the other thing I would tell you is encourage your teachers to come from a play-powered, become playful. Let me tell you more about that. Sometimes pushbacks happen during cleanup. Sometimes pushbacks happen because the voice level gets, noise level gets too loud. It's like very loud in the classroom and everybody's just like talking on top of each other. So um, puppets of having a puppet coming in like a bird puppet or a butterfly puppet and then just saying oh my ears are hurting this but butterfly is feeling very sad let's reduce the volume do it in a playful manner yes like, you know i don't know if you've noticed this or not but sometimes teachers confuse playful learning versus learning slash play like play is this busy work that you just do while i'm doing important things you just take care of some play and then the learning will happen when I'm doing small group with you. Or the learning will happen when I'm doing teacher-directed stuff. But the rest of it, you just keep yourself busy. It's not true. Children learn through play. Exactly. <laughs> so, That's yeah, great. lean into play. Lean into the imaginative, creative play. Like, for example, the cleanup. I've done this with the children uh, or the teachers, really. My coaching is with the teachers, not with the children. And, okay, I, I'll tell them, think of a playful way. How can you get them to clean up? And this teacher, I always am just opening up the prompt. I'm not giving them the responses. But this teacher, she said, I heard her say this. There was cleanup. There was journal time. They were done with journals. They had to put the journals away. And she said, okay, pretend this is a very hot pizza. It's going to burn your hands. 
walk very quickly and put it away so it doesn't burn your hand. And the children were like doing it and they were toddlers. They it were like so engages excited. them. <laughs> yes. So it's engaging. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. But here's the other sign. If the teachers are not having fun, the children are not going to have fun and learn. If you yeah. have got to enjoy this, this has got to be joyful. I agree. I agree. Those are great tips and great suggestions as our roles as uh, directors to support our teachers in the classroom. So we all need you in our classroom. Yes, I would love <laughs> to do. do training for everybody. I would love to do training. I love to do coaching. Let's talk. Let's do this because I really feel like so many schools don't know this basic stuff. Exactly. I'm going to share your website in my show notes so that anyone that would love to work with her or jump on that weekly call that she has to get help for your um, classrooms that are struggling or to get teacher training. That's Everyone's always looking for professional development. So I'll put that link in there so that thank they you. can connect with you. Thank you. Um, thank you. I just want to thank you. I've loved meeting you this year. You're like one of the highlights of my year, you Aww. and Beth. I'm so excited to get to know both of you better. Aww, and you. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to share with all the directors that listen to the podcast to help them support their teachers. And in the end, really just support kids in early yes. education. We are all supporting the same kids. We're all trying to make this world a better place for children. And whatever our role is, whatever our title is, let's reach as many children as we can to support them. Thank you, Noel, for this opportunity. I appreciate it. And yes, I, my website is togetherwegrow.online. I have a YouTube channel which has very few videos, but it's all on brain development. Together We Grow, you can find it on my website. Subscribe to it. And there are not many, and it was created during COVID. This was never my plan to have a YouTube channel. Goodness gracious. <laughs> well, we're lucky that you created it. Oh, you're sweet. Well, I would love to partner with anybody who needs PD or coaching or in-person. Or Yes, our teachers are burnt out and are stressed out. You know, oh, they're absorbing it. Totally agree. Thank you so much, and it was nice connecting with you today. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Perna. Seriously, what did I tell you? She is amazing. She has so many amazing ideas and her approach to things. I wish I'd met her and listened to her um, when I started this 18 years ago with my childcare center with my sister because I didn't know anything about early education. And you know, you, along the way you, you learn all these things and I would have loved to have crossed paths with her before this. All right, so when I hear a training like this, like take for instance the breathing that is something super easy and free we can all implement in our child care centers that will give a child a skill that they're going to have for the rest of their lives right just like writing um, just like gross motor and fine motor all the things we do with the kids mental health is so important and i loved how one of the things she said was you know, breathing helps regulate you and impulsivities. And can you imagine that skill set if we teach them at two, three, four, how that can help the kids, especially the ones that are um, a little bit more impulsive than the other ones. So how I approach this with my team, I don't just like say, oh, go listen to her, like listen to this training. Or if you bring Prenna into your school or join one of her consulting programs that she has, the, the, the membership, um, you, you don't want to just buy the program and get the quick fix. 
You want to really make this a part of your program. And how you do that is you share the information with your team. So however you are going to decide to do that. Are they going to listen to one of her trainings? Is she going to come in? Um, are you going to listen, share this podcast with your team? Uh, whatever it is, you're going to do, um, you're going to share the information with your team, however you do that. Then what I want you to do for a classroom specific is write the simple goals. So really short, simple goals. Each day, we will have four breathing breaks throughout the day. You know, you could even do it in infant. Even though they're, the babies aren't paying attention to how we're breathing, infant teachers need to breathe too, right? So write some short, simple goals. Four times a day, we're going to be doing breathing exercises. How are you going to call it out with the staff, um, with the team, with the students? Um, you know, listen to what she said. Um in the beginning of the podcast about that. So you're just gonna tell them four times a day. Even if you want, break the times out. Be really good if you did it here, 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 and here. Um, also, what you're all calling it. And then I want you to go to the classroom and I want you to observe them in action or not in action because that's our role, right? We're not gonna go in there and say, oh, you're a failure because you're not putting breathing in. We're gonna go in there and say, how important breathing is and, and list out what Prenna said about the breathing and then talk to them about, okay, well, how, why are you having trouble adding this at, ten, well, I'm just making it up 10 o'clock um, or during morning free play, you know, you could be a little bit more um, free with that, you know, talk about where they're struggling and help them implement it and then see the benefits. So you're supporting and you're praising them throughout this process, right? And then I would bring it to staff meeting and make it part of your staff meetings, okay? Like we were implementing the breathing. How is that going? Give me some feedback on that. And you're gonna get feedback that it didn't work or it did work. And so talk through it. Why isn't it working? Um, and give them tools to help them implement it really talk through you know I even think on the behavior side if she's given you um, like I loved the whole circle thing like how they can sit wherever they want um, and it just changes the dynamic of the classroom right and talk about the successes and the failures and when you talk about the failures in the classroom like oh this isn't really working yet this isn't working yet brainstorm I believe that when a group of people especially a team come together and brainstorm it, it sparks some energy and it sparks some excitement um, you get new information you get support you come together on a team on a common goal and so try that discuss it at a staff meeting and not just one keep talking about it if you want this to be part of your child care center and part of who you are I mean even think about what a great selling feature that is to parents um, and you can talk about that on your website and your tours. You want this to be who you are, part of you know your community. Um, so it needs to be part of your staff meetings throughout the entire year. And then I want you to celebrate your successes. Celebrate them in the group, um, in your staff meeting. Celebrate them in writing by writing a note to a teacher and saying, you know, you really took this breathing um, technique that we're using in our school now and you made it so a part of your your small community in your classroom um, you know talk about a behavior issue that Prenna um, and together we grow gave you and celebrate the success when you see success even if it's like the tiniest bit of success 
Um, we do that with the kids. Think about the kids. When we have a problem with a child that they're struggling with something, and maybe you put in place a sticker chart or some type something reward to really show them, um, you know, celebrate their success at overcoming something. We need to do that with our teachers too. And we need to show them success because they helped a, su a student see success. So write a note. You can, um, you know, pull them in the office and talk to them and praise them. Praise them at a staff meeting. I mean, praising people in front of their teammates is always a great thing. It shows such great leadership on your part. So I hope you love Prenna as much as I did. Um, she's so helpful. And I really enjoyed getting to know her. Um, I want you to head over to her website, Together We Grow. She has a great Facebook page, um, Together We Grow, on that. Um, and she shares resources. She shares where she's speaking. Um, and connect with her. If you're having a classroom that is struggling really badly right now, that's just adding to the stress of the teachers, right? Your stress, their stress, the kid, everyone's stressed. Reach out to Prenna and see how her membership can help you with your classroom. I love some of the things she shared on there that like, you know, imagine every week if the lead teacher and you could talk to Prenna through a problem, she gives you resources, you go implement them, you come back the next week, either give an update, she gives you some tweaks you can do, and then the, you're going to eventually get to a point where the behaviors are going to cease, the children's going to show success. And the teacher's going to get less stressed, right? And she's going to learn a new skill. Like, how great is that? So um, let me know in the show notes what you think of this episode. Um, if you could give the podcast a rating, I would love that. And I hope that this helps you because I, when I met her, I knew I had to have her on this podcast and share her with you. So have an awesome week and I will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you know another director who might benefit from listening, please share the link to my podcast. I love connecting with directors and sharing business tips to make their lives easier too. The show notes below have all the links from the podcast and my social media connections. I'd love you to tell me how I'm doing by rating the show or leaving a comment. Hope you have a great week. I'll be cheering you on.